Good morning, everyone. Everybody okay? Got the AC on. I'm hoping that won't become a football and turn into a kick to the back of the room, but we'll see how that turns out. Why don't you stand with me just for a moment? Move your legs around a little bit. You don't have to dance, but Father, thank you today for your love. Thank you for your family at Hope Fellowship gathered together to worship and set our attention on you. Father, thank you for your word that is our guide and our instruction and most importantly speaks to us of who you are and all that you have done. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that as we would consider your word today, you guide us in our understanding. Help us to let go of distractions even for a few moments here today as we set our attention on you. You minister to our hearts and we thank you that we can express our thanks to you together as a family here today. Thanks for who you are and all you've given for humanity. You've given us life, you've given us newness of life, and you've given us your word and your spirit to guide us each day. Thank you for your help even now. It's in Jesus' name we pray together this morning. Amen. Amen. Hmm, I got a toy up here. All right. That'll work in a few minutes anyways. Everybody all right today? You have your Bible with you, whether it's in paper format or clickety-clickety format or whichever format you prefer, you may want to have that handy. But let's have a little time together in the Word of God today. Always great to be with you. I was, I was looking at my computer for all my files from Hope Fellowship. I think we're, we're just past a year, so it's been a while. So I, I, I always feel at home here. I feel like you're the family, the immediate family. But if it's okay, I think I'll call myself maybe a second cousin or something like that. So I, I can come and be part two. You just don't see me maybe as often as you see everybody else. But good to see everybody today. New York City. How many of you have been there? Anybody been to New York? I was there. Uh, September 2012. My first and only time, other than JFK and LaGuardia, which I've been through a few times. My first time to actually go to the concrete jungle. Some of you younger folks may know the song. The place where dreams are, well, they don't necessarily come true. The place where the big lights will inspire you, maybe. New York City. We flew in on a Saturday morning, got to our hotel. We were staying in Manhattan somewhere in, I don't know if it was north or south, somewhere in mid-Manhattan. And the first place, I, I was there with, with my wife and some of her family members, and our first afternoon we decide, well, let's go to Times Square. Because apparently in New York City, wherever you're going to go, you can get there from Times Square, or you can get your tickets, or you can get your bus, or you can get whatever you need. Go to Times Square. Now, I don't know what happened, whether we misinterpreted the, the directions or the instructions, or maybe we forgot to ask for directions. I don't know what happened. But we were going to walk to Times Square from our hotel. No problem. But something went askew, evidently. I don't know if we hung a left when it was supposed to be a right or the other way around or whatever it was. But it took us about an hour and 15 minutes to walk from our hotel to Times Square. But the strange thing was, was when it was time to go home from Times Square back to our hotel, it only took 15 minutes. Something's not right here. What happened? Evidently, like I said, I, I don't know if we asked for directions or if we had a map. I don't honestly remember what the situation was or how it happened. But we all remember going, that's our hotel. How did we get here so fast? On the way back, right? Evidently, when we started out, something wasn't right. Something 
Not that it, so no, nobody led us wrong. I think probably we misunderstood where we were to start with, right? Let's go to that first screen. Sarah, can you help me there for a minute? Just put the first screen up. Have you ever been glad for one of these? Those of you who aren't really fans of shopping malls like me, you're probably glad for one of these, right? Where you walk in and the first thing you need help with is, you are here. I just want to get some shoes. I don't need 6,000 stores to get shoes from. I just need to go to a shoe store. Please help me go to a shoe store. Well, the first thing you should probably know is that you are here. And the shoe stores are number six yellow, number three yellow, number six orange, and number two red. Well, if I don't know that I'm here, then the rest of your numbers mean nothing to me. But if you tell me I'm here, now if I'm going to six yellow, I know I'll just, and I'm at six yellow, I got my shoes, and hopefully for me anyways, I'm in and out in less than half an hour. I'm not a shopper. Some of you can spend their whole day there, that's okay. Maybe get me some New York fries and I'll be on my way. Something like that. I don't know. But please help me know where I am so I know how to get to where I'd like to be. Right? If I'm not already nearby, I'm going to need some help. It's a little easier in a shopping mall than it was in New York City. But the idea is still the same. If I don't know where I am... Or even worse, if I think I'm somewhere when I'm really somewhere else, it's going to be hard to get to where I want to be or where I think I should be if I don't know where I am. Can I be honest with you? That sounds a little bit like Christianity. Yes? Myriads of Christian people who are in fact Christians, trusting in Jesus, saved, born again, new Christ, whatever term you want to give it, but thinking they need to be somewhere else, or thinking, trying to get somewhere, but perhaps not knowing already, you are here. Here's where you are to start from. If you don't know that, you're probably not going to get to where you think you're going to be. Everybody okay so far? Come on, you can smile. I'm not setting you up for anything. Don't worry about that. I do have a few questions for you. And the problem with preach preachers asking questions is that people get really quiet. Because you, you, they think the preacher's trying to set them up for something. I'm not trying to set you up. Everybody just relax. Now you know, or I hope you know, as I know, as it's not always easy to remember, church isn't just about you. It's not just about me. It's not even just about Christian people. So much of what you hear today might be a refresher for you. Remember that song we just sang a few minutes ago? Remind me. I could use a few reminders a couple hundred times a day probably, some days, right? Remind me. But keep in mind that we as believers, we don't just gather for the sake of ourselves or for the sake of the Lord. No, there, there should be something that comes out of what we hear from God's Word that helps us help somebody else. Is that okay? Are we not called the salt of the earth? The light on a hill, or whatever Jesus, or whatever expression He used there? Are we not called ambassadors for Christ? I think we are. 
So something that we receive in this place or something that we share together should also be of benefit to the society around us. I would think so. Whether it's people who don't yet know the Lord, if they're from a, a religion that's completely foreign to us, or if it's somebody who attends another church and is in fact a Christian just like you are. Everybody could use some help. Everybody could, could, could benefit from a reminder of, you are here. Here's where you are. Here's where you are. Anybody here saved? Anybody here born again? Whatever term you want to get. Anybody here a new creation in Christ Jesus? Don't be ashamed. If you want to throw both hands up, if you want to throw one foot up, say, yeah, that's me. That's fine. But I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. I'm, whatever term I'm going to give it, that's me. That's you. If it isn't you, that's okay. I hope you'll consider this. I think Jesus is probably, forget about the probably, he's the greatest thing going. Right? He's just had a lot of things hung on him that maybe don't belong to him. He's been associated with things that he shouldn't necessarily be associated with. You know that Jesus was not a religious individual? But he wasn't against religious people. I mean, he was surrounded by them. He's got the Pharisees, he's got the Sadducees, he's got the chief priests, he's got the high priests, he's got the other priests and their priests and them and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they don't get along with each other and they don't like each other, blah, 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 blah. And they're always trying to get Jesus to side with them or they're teaming up for the benefit of trying to trap him, but he just stands apart from all of it. He meets a Samaritan woman. He'll go and touch a leper. He'll have a Pharisee come to the place where he's eating. He's not against the religious. He just, he just he himself is irreligious. He doesn't fit anybody's box. Doesn't fit in there. What's he in favor of? He's in favor of the well-being of people. Yes? That's why he's called the Savior. Because humanity needs some help with our well-being. Are we okay for now? All right, here's the questions. I'm not setting you up for anything. I'm hoping that if this is a refresher for you, you might draw something from this morning that will help you help somebody else. Whether they're an unbeliever or somebody you know who is a Christian person, everybody needs some help sometimes. Everybody needs a reminder. Here's the first question. Let me see if my clicker's going to work for me. Where do I point it? Anywhere. Is it possible? I've been up here 10 minutes. I'm going to give you the title of today's message. Is it possible? Is our question today. Yes, it is possible. Whatever it is, it's possible. Is it possible to be saved but not be righteous? You can shout it out or you can say nothing. doesn't matter to me. But is it possible to be saved but not be righteous? Hmm. I could go to a myriad of congregations on this Sunday morning all across our country and I could ask born-again Christian people on their way to heaven if their time here ceased today, are you righteous? The answer would be no. All across this country, all across the world, I'm sure. Are you righteous? The answer would be no. Is it possible to be saved 
They would say, yes, I'm saved. Are you righteous? No. Is that possible? Let's think about the expressions the New Testament gives us. Jesus says to a man named Nicodemus, you must be born again. The Apostle Paul writes for us by the Holy Spirit, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And then in the next verse he says this, now all things are of God. Did you read that somewhere? That's in 2 Corinthians. So if I'm a new creation, if you are a new creation, if old things have passed away and all things have become new, is the new creation unrighteous? That doesn't make any sense. Come on, smile a little bit. It's okay. Don't worry. We can think in church. That doesn't make any sense. God's creation is unacceptable to him. Well, that doesn't work. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're a new creation. If old things have passed away, all things have become new. How can you be anything but righteous? Don't worry. We'll, we'll bring it full circle in a little bit. Don't panic. Everybody okay? Now, some of you, as I said, this is old news to you, but there's a myriad of people across the country, across the region here, where if you ask them that question, their answer would be no. And they live each day wondering, am I doing okay? Whenever, they would give their, when whenever their mind would be drawn to God or the idea of God or, 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 or how am I doing in my Christian service? Maybe not so well. Their heart would sink within them. I'm not sure. Not sure. We got people, I, I, I've met, I don't know how many people, more, more than several, who their dream in life, their dream in their service to the Lord is to go somewhere on the international mission field. It's been their dream for 40 years. Still dreaming. And they'll say things like, the Lord hasn't called me. In 40 years. But they, and not, 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 not just the mission field, but any of the Lord, I, I wish the Lord would, would release me to start my own business. And Christian people, myself included, because I've been in the situation over and over in my life, we get stuck on a fence, afraid to make a mistake. What if I do that and it turns out to not be God's will? What, what, what if I make it to the other side of the world and, and things don't work out? And we sit and continue in a life that maybe we're not even really enjoying because we're afraid to do the wrong thing. Question, is God not capable of stopping you just as much as he's capable of starting you? Sure he is. We've got an example of the Apostle Paul in the Bible. There came a time in Acts chapter 16, Paul didn't know where to go. Woke up one morning, he says, oh, let's go over here to Bithynia. And they started in that direction, and the Scripture says the Holy Spirit stopped them, for lack of a better term. 
And they said, okay, well, if it's not there, let's go over to Mycenae. No, not that place either. You see, he wasn't sitting in a pity party saying, oh, I wish the Lord would speak to me. No, he was proceeding with what he knew. And as he needed further direction, the Holy Spirit gave it to him. Everybody okay with that? He could stop you just as well as he could start you. So why not go with what's in your heart? And if you need to be stopped, I think the Lord could be trusted to stop you. Everybody okay? I think so. Why? Because you're saved. You're righteous. Everything's okay. I know that's, that's hard to swallow. For Me? Righteous? I looked in the mirror this morning. Didn't look like it. Well, let's, let's take another couple of big steps, and then we'll, we'll come kind of full circle. If you have your Bible, go to Ephesians. I told you to have it with you, so I better let you use it. Ephesians chapter 4. This will lead us into question number 2. If you are, is it, is it possible to be saved but not be righteous? No. You're both at the same time. Amen. Ephesians 4, are you there? Look at verse 20. We'll start at verse 20. It says, You have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in <clears throat> excuse me in true righteousness and holiness put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness is it possible to be saved but not be righteous no it took a work of God to accomplish both they're one and the same. Everybody okay there? Take a look in the mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's His gift to you. It's His gift to you to say, you know what? I've accomplished everything so I can say to you, there's no reason for me to be opposed to you. Everything's okay. Now, as I said, this is a repeat for many people in here. You've heard this before many, many times. But how about extending it to someone else? I'm sure you know believers who have their ups and downs. Not quite sure, is God okay with me today? Did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed this morning and I'm in trouble with him? No. Because it's his work that accomplished salvation. His work that has given us the gift of righteousness. Okay, I got to warn you. Question number one was the easy one. That was the lightweight one. Question number two, did you read what we read in Ephesians? What did it say? He was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This next one was a big one to me too. Here it comes. Is it possible to be saved but not be holy? <clears throat> this was me in years gone by. I came to a place in my understanding of the Word of God where if you said to me, Scott, are you righteous? I would say, yes, it's not of myself, it's a gift of God. And then you would say to me, Scott, are you holy? And I would say, well, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm, I, I, heard, I heard this expression just the other day. Well, I'm, 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 I'm growing in holiness. That's okay, there is some degree of that. Right? Is it possible to be saved 
but not be holy. No. Ephesians 4 said what? You were created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It's His doing, not your doing. You remember in the Old Testament, the, the, the example I usually think of is, is the tabernacle. And we're told that when the priests would offer the sacrifices, there would be certain tools they would use that were set apart. Have you heard that word, that phrase before? It's another definition of holiness. The, the tools, whether it was a fork or whatever it was they were using to work with the, 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 the sacrifices, they would say, these are the instruments for the sacrifice. They are to be used for nothing else. They are only to be handled by these people at these times. Anything else is off limits. Meaning those tools were designated by God as acceptable for this purpose. Well, there's holiness. Holiness isn't you and what you do. Holiness is God and what He has done. And what did He do with you? He designated you as acceptable to Him and useful for His purposes. Well, what about that scripture says we're supposed to pursue holiness? Yes, please do. You have it. Follow it. Follow holiness. I know I've shared this with you before, but it may have been one of the first times I was ever at Hope Fellowship. Have you ever been on the brink of doing something wrong and you knew it was wrong? Or you've just crossed the line and you knew you crossed the line? Do you find out about it right in here? Is that where you experience it? Maybe you feel it in your toe or your knee or something, but I, I feel it in here. Anybody else say I feel it right in here? When you get that feeling that I can only describe as... <laughs> Anybody been there before? Oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Or if you're considering something that is contrary to God, you find out about it right in here. Yes? What is that? A good, script, a, a good Christian might say this, that's the Spirit of God. He's departed from you, for He will not remain in the presence of your iniquity. <laughs> you heard that before? I've heard that before. But it seems to me that before I knew the Lord, I was a pretty good sinner. And I didn't always feel bad about it. But now I've got someone present with me. What did the Scripture say? The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Right? For your own good. You have the witness within you. So what is that? What, what, what is that sense you have within you? I'm going to suggest to you that's righteousness. That's holiness. And holiness is saying to you, wait a second. Now, it's really hot today, so we'll, 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 let, let's get a little thoughts of cool in our air. Not too cool, though. Just by way of example, I'll take a couple extra minutes here for this example. You may have heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. You wake up in, uh, let's see, this is July. Let's go to February. It's February, the first week of February in lovely Waterloo region. You wake up in this morning and you wake up, the, you wake up in the morning and you say, you know what? I think I'm going to wear shorts, t-shirt, tank top, and and and. and I, I bought those sandals back in September, but it was late in the year, so I didn't really get to wear them much, so I'm going to break them out today, too. It's February in Waterloo Region. 
And let's say that the temperature that day reached a balmy minus four degrees. And you go outside in your tank top, shorts, and sandals. How many of you know your body's going to talk to you? (laughs) And your body's going to say, okay, freak show, you listen to me. I was not designed to be exposed to such conditions while so scantily cladden. I would suggest to you that you take me back inside before I begin to shut down. If you don't believe me, check your fingertips because I've already started. Have you experienced February in Waterloo Region? Sure you have. Well, what's happening inside when the righteousness of God is considering something contrary to God. The righteousness of God is going to talk to you. It's going to be a little nicer to you than your body in the cold weather, but it's going to say, you don't belong there. You don't belong there. You don't belong with your mind set on that. You don't belong with your body participating in that. You don't belong with that attitude towards that individual. Is that okay for you? That righteousness will lead you in the way that's right. It's none other than Christ himself present with you, leading you in the way that's right. Amen. Everybody doing okay? We're all right. Holiness. It's holiness leading you in the way that's right. You are identified as fully acceptable to God, useful for his purposes. He did it, not you. Is it possible to be saved but not be holy? No. Is it possible to act in an unholy manner? Oh, yeah. You know as well as I do, just because you've been born again doesn't mean you can't ruin your life just as fast as anybody else. You could live your life contrary to God if you wanted to. I don't recommend it. I don't think that would be wise counsel if somebody said, yeah, go ahead. Everybody okay? We could... Live contrary to holiness. No, but if I'm saved, I am holy. I would do well to act accordingly. Amen? Last one here. Last question. Is it possible? Oh, boy. Now, you remember the Scripture says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? Remember that. Is it possible to be saved but not be free. Maybe a little trickier on this one. Because we live in a real world. A real world that brings trouble our way. Experiences from the past that hurt. Memories that are hard to let go of. Yes? Is it possible to be saved, but not be free? Again, the answer is, is no. Now hang on, we're going to wrap it all up, don't worry. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Buddy, okay? Well, we have myriads of Christian people, myself by times, whether I say it outwardly or within. Why am I still struggling with blah, 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 blah? Why do I keep doing that? 
How come I can't get rid of? Why can't I? Whether it's anger or whether it's bitterness or whether it's drug addiction or whatever it is, why can't I shake this thing? You're telling me I'm free? Do you always look righteous? Do you always feel righteous? No. Do you always look holy or feel holy? No. Do you always look free or feel free? Maybe not. How many of you ever have you ever woke up in the morning and wondered if you were actually saved? Well, I'm getting a lot of blank and concerned stares. Just relax, everybody. It's okay. What's the problem we have? I mean, maybe it's a lot of problems, or maybe it's no problem. Is it possible to be saved but not righteous, not holy, not free? Actually, it isn't. But sometimes we're like me in New York City. I just plain went the wrong way. And it took me a lot longer to get to where I was hoping to get. Times Square was always in the same place. Nobody was hiding it from me. It was always right where it was, and my hotel was always right where it was. The distance between the two was always the same. But somehow I wasn't quite aware of where I was, or I lost track of where I was. And I ended up not having the situation turn out the way I thought I'd, or the way I hoped it had, not entirely. Now, I saw a lot of other sites on the way to Times Square. I just wasn't planning to see them at that point in time, right? But if I've been born again, if you've been saved, if you're a new creation in Christ, there is, no crea there is no new creation that isn't righteous or isn't holy or isn't free because God did it, not you. So where, where, where's, the, where's the disconnect here, I wonder? What are you free from? Well, let's, let's talk about that first and foremost. First thing you're free from is... Death. Didn't the scriptures say that when sin entered the world long ago, death spread to everybody? The inability to know God spread to everybody. You're free from that. Why? By the resurrection of Jesus. Right? And when you're free from death, this is going to sound funny, you're free from sin. You couldn't shake free of it yourself. Can I be honest with you? I still can't in myself. Still can't do it. But I've been freed from death. I've been freed from sin. Now here's where it gets a little funny. Because the scripture says this. Sin is the sting of death. For those first two people we read about in the Bible, sin entered and there was death. For us, even as believers, if you want to participate in sin, death will be there. Not in terms of you'll be put in a casket and we'll say nice things about you and then throw you in the ground. No, but that which is contrary to God is death. And if we give ourselves to sin, which is the expression of that which is contrary to God, death will be there to bring destruction as much as it can. But here's the trick maybe we fall into, or the trap we fall into. Because when we think about sin and we say, I want to avoid that, the next question is, how? At least that's our next question. And the trap in the world is that we actually think we know how. 
Now I know where I am. I'm at Hope Fellowship, home of Grace Walk Ministries as well. I know you know what we're about to review. That, ver- that passage in 1 Corinthians says that sin is the sting of death. But the problem we find is when it comes to avoiding sin, we want a reference point to tell us how to do it. And that's called what we think. We think that's law. If you could just tell me what's not right and what is right, I'll do my best to follow. Is that law? That is law. But that passage in 1 Corinthians says this, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. That's where it gets tricky. Because it's, 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 it's contrary to our natural thinking. We would normally think, if you could just give me the do's and don'ts, I'll do my best to follow them. But the Bible says that those do's and don'ts are what sin uses to trick us and pull us in. Yes? So that's not going to help us. So the law, is the str- it's going to pour gas on the fire. Sounds a little strange, I know. But there's one more on this little list of three Let's make it four. You know, there's nothing wrong with the law, whether it's the Old Testament or, or law as we have it in society. We, we need some framework to work with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But the New Testament gives us a little secret. Law, when the New Testament speaks of the time of Moses and the law that came through him, that we have mistakenly adopted in something we mistakenly refer to as Judeo-Christianity, that does not exist. I just boggled some of your minds. Don't worry. You have, you'll have lunch and you'll be okay. What did Jesus say on that night when he was at the table with his disciples? This cup is the new covenant in my blood. He marked the end of what you and I often think of as Judeo. And he brings in the new in which all things are of Christ. Wow. And that's where the Apostle Paul comes along and he writes the book of Colossians and he writes to the Galatians and he writes to the Romans and all these things. And in Romans chapter 8, he's going to tell us why our little list is not going to help us. Law has one fatal weakness. You know what the law's fatal weakness is? Its biggest problem, its biggest restriction is that it has to work with me. Oh no. Come on, smile, everybody. You're okay. Just relax. It's got to work with me. It's a fatal flaw for the law. It's perfect in and of itself, but it's got me to deal with. And when I was lost in sin, when I was lost in unrighteousness, when I was apart from God, as the Apostle Paul wrote for us, the law was given not to help me out, but to make sin abound. So that at some point in time, we would say, this is not working. I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need some help. When the fullness of the time had come, 
God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under law. Now, Christians are going to argue, well, that wasn't really me because I'm not a Jew and I don't know. But the only reference point we ever had outside, uh, the only reference point they had back then was law. And the only reference point we have today, unfortunately, in most of our thinking, is ourselves. But the fatal flaw of law is it has to deal with me. It has to deal with me. Everybody smile. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the rest of those early portions of Romans 8 says this. What the law could not do because it was weak through the flesh, God did. Is what it says. Everybody say that with me. God did. Whatever you thought was supposed to be done, God did. God did. That's called salvation. That's called redemption. That's called justification. Whatever term you want to pin on it from your reading of the New Testament, God did it. He did it. Now let's go back to our three questions. Am I righteous? Am I holy? Am I free? Well, according to the New Testament, if you are saved, you are all of the above. So where's the disconnect Maybe in our experience, if we, can, if we can say it that way, if there's no better way of saying that. Well, why do we still call ourselves unrighteous? Why would we still refer to ourselves as unholy? Why would we still find ourselves apparently trapped in things that are contrary to God? Well, to be terribly honest with myself, it's self-centeredness. Now, I don't mean that in the way we normally think of it in terms of selfishness and whining and I didn't get my way. I mean that in the sense of I'm the center of reference. I think I'm, I'm supposed to be the one who makes it all happen. For better or for worse, it's up to me. Self-centeredness. Let me see if this last one will help us here. This is, uh, if you're Canadian, you may get, yeah, you are Canadian. Our true north by whom we are strong and free. Ever used one of these? I don't know if I ever have or not, but I, I know what it is. What are you looking at on the screen right there? Compass. Compass. Maybe I could have used one in New York City. Instead of saying northeast, southwest, it should have said Times Square's over here, dummy. But anyways. You take a compass. What does the compass tell you? What? Ah, which way is north? It doesn't tell you where west is. doesn't tell you where east is. doesn't tell you where south is. But it will tell you where north is. Yes? So you take your compass and you say, Okay, I know where north is. Well, guess what? North becomes your center of reference. Yes? And based on what you know to be north, now you can interpret the rest of your situation accordingly. If I know that's north, which it isn't, I think that's north, but I'm in Waterloo and I'm kind of not really sure where I am, but anyway. If I know where north is, I can determine where west is. Yes? Nobody told me where west was, but they told me where north was. And as long as I know where north is, 
I can pinpoint east, west, south, all based on north. I think maybe we just found an idea of how to get rid of this unrighteousness, unholiness, and I'm so bound up stuff. I'm not the center of reference. You are not the center of reference. Who is our true north? Christ is our true north. I know it doesn't say that in the Bible. I'm just borrowing from the national anthem for a little bit. Don't worry about it. When we take Christ as our center of reference, not my unrighteousness or righteousness, no, His righteousness. When I take His holiness, when I take Him Himself as my center of reference, and I read in the New Testament things like those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. When I read that I've been a new creation made in the image of God in holiness and righteousness, I'm going to take God and what He has done as my center of reference. Are we okay? I say I'm saved. Why? Because I found a way out? No, because somebody came to the mess I was in. And brought me out of it. Somebody did away with sin. Somebody overcame death. It wasn't me. But his doing accomplished for me what I can't do on my own. So I'll take him as my center of reference. My true north. And now I can rightfully interpret the rest of my situation. Did the scripture say things like this? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind right even the put the passage we read from ephesians said this be renewed in the spirit of your mind you'll take on a new way of seeing things when your center of reference goes off of self and on to christ amen and then what happens well as you consider jesus faith is inspired in you and even when you look in the mirror and you say, that looks like a lot of unrighteous to me. Take your eyes off the mirror and look at true north, Jesus. And say, well, if God gave him as my righteousness, then I can't be anything but. Remember what we said about that law? Sin uses it to pull you in. Well, you know what Jesus is? What will he do? He'll pull you in. To righteousness. He'll pull you in to holiness. He'll pull you in to a response that matches who you truly are. Doesn't come by you trying to get out of sin. It comes by you setting your attention on Him. You know He's real. You know, he, when, when God says Christ lives in you to will and to do for His good pleasure, that's exactly what He's doing. Working in you to will and to do for His good pleasure. Last one. I'm almost done. Everybody okay? What year was that? That was 2004. Canada Day, 2004. I'm not in New York anymore. I'm at Heathrow Airport in London. Anybody been there before? Let me give you a little hint. It's not like Waterloo, Waterloo Regional Airport. I'll tell you that much. I'm at Heathrow. Some friends of mine were coming back from the mission field after being in Africa for about 10 months. 
and our, 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 the last leg of our flight home from London to Toronto, they've called for boarding. People are getting on. I mean, we're ready to roll. And we get up there with our boarding passes at Heathrow Airport. And they look at our boarding passes and they say, you missed the security checkpoint. Remember, this isn't Waterloo Regional Airport. Anybody flown out of Hamilton? That's easy peasy. It's great. Again, you like to fly out of Buffalo. It's easy peasy. I love it too. I wasn't in Buffalo this day. I was at Heathrow. You missed a security checkpoint. Now, normally you think, oh, it's just over there. Not at Heathrow. It's not just over there. <laughs> they're boarding. Our they're, it's going to be 10 minutes. They're going to close the door, and the flight's going to take off. We can't get on just because we missed some stupid clearance, and they didn't punch our board. Are you kidding me? No, you missed the security checkpoint. Well, as the Old Testament says, gird your loins because you've got to do some running here, boy. <laughs> so we take a, I, I can't remember if they gave us a ride there or they gave us a ride back, but whatever it was, we said, where's the checkpoint? It says, down there, down there, down, whatever it was. I think we asked two or three people along the way. We've got to get there. And we get to the security checkpoint with our carry-on bags in tow, and we find the nearest uniformed person, and we say, <laughs> And she looks at our paperwork and says, All right, people! You step back, sir. You step back, sir. You, you. Just hang on a minute, madam. Just a minute. And the three of us are taken to the front of the line. Put your bags through. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going back home to Toronto. That's where I'm from. Here's my passport. Click, 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 click. Get on the cart. You're on the plane. And off you go. Couldn't have done it myself. Couldn't have made that happen. If I walked into that security checkpoint and said, Please, would you let me through? So some people in society are nice, but they're not that nice at Heathrow Airport. Because everybody's like, well, what if I miss my plane? But the uniformed person at the security checkpoint, when, I can't remember if it was a woman or man, when that individual became aware of our situation, we were in their hands. If she says, get in line and wait like everybody else, you can forget about making your flight to Toronto. But she says, or he says, whichever one it was, all right, everybody, out of the way. Talk about salvation. <laughs> what do we have to do? I'm going to have to depend on someone else. I got to hand it entirely over to this individual. And if he or she says, do this, do this, do this, and then get on that cart, I'm now going to hand it over to the guy driving the cart. Otherwise, there's no way I'm making that flight. Right? Well, I wasn't going to make it into righteousness, holiness, or freedom. But there was a guy named Jesus who stepped in. That's out of the way. That's out of the way. That's out of the way. There you go. Can it really be that simple? It wasn't easy for him. But for somebody like me, I'll let you speak for yourself. It's got to be that simple. Or I'm not getting anywhere. I'm going to close with that statement. If it isn't that simple, I'm not getting there.
There's no righteousness of me. Even as a Christian, there still is no righteousness of me. There was no holiness in me, and as a Christian now, there still is no holiness of me. But somebody stepped in, intervened on my behalf. Remember, I'm only talking for myself. You can speak for yourself. Someone stepped in and intervened for me. And everything contrary to God steps aside because of Him. And everything that is of God is granted to me because of Him. Nothing else. Is righteousness and holiness required? Yeah, it is. So He made everything contrary to righteousness and holiness step aside. Here, take mine. Take mine. Is bondage contrary to God? Sure it is. So he said, step aside. In fact, I'll take it. Give it all to me. I'll do away with it. Take my freedom. You say, well, my mind, trapped. My body, it's hurting, I'm trapped. Yeah, it's real. Now take him. Consider him. What he's done for you. Father, thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for the gift of life and newness of life. Father, even as your word says, help us to consider Jesus, who endured all that was contrary to you, that we might receive all that is of you. Thank you for your love, O oh Father, for every person. Thank you that your grace abounds to all of humanity. Father, thank you for the privilege we have of receiving your grace and receiving your salvation and now being a vessel of your love and salvation to others. Thank you for your peace that would work upon our hearts, Lord, to, to quiet our mind when we're stuck in that which is contrary to you. And I thank you, Lord, that even this day you are a worker of miracles within minds, within hearts, within bodies to bring peace where there's been turmoil, to bring healing where there's been damage, to bring correction where there's been that which is contrary to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would call our attention to Christ. Thank you, O Savior, for who you are at work in us today to will and to do for your good pleasure. Holy Spirit, help us each day as we hear from you, as we give our attention to Jesus. Thank you that faith is worked within us and that we go in the way that is in agreement with you. Thank you, O Savior, for who you are and all you've done. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.